Welcome to War Stories. I'm Preston Stewart, and this is a show where we talk about America's military history through the lens of individual acts of heroism and valor. Enjoy. Today we have the story of Petty Officer Michael Thornton. Michael Thornton is a Navy SEAL uh, fighting during the Vietnam War and while doing so, it would be rolled up under an organization called the Military Assistance Command Vietnam Studies and Observations Group. So that mouthful is a grouping of special operations forces that would conduct covert operations, among many other tasks, throughout the war. One of the other things that they do that will be important for this story is they're going to train the South Vietnamese forces in unconventional warfare, special operations, whatever our special operations are doing, we're going to try to stand that up in South Vietnam as well. And you'll see that with, with Petty Officer Thornton's story. So the Vietnam War at a high level, if we back off to 10,000 feet, is a civil war. It's a devastating civil war for the people of Vietnam and anybody else that that becomes involved. Um Generally speaking, the North Vietnamese communist government was backed by the Soviet Union and China. The South Vietnamese government was backed by Western democracies, most notably in this time period, the United States. But there'd be a lot of people involved throughout the course of the conflict. The conflict itself is hard to get your arms around. You know, being, being American, we like to look at just the American involvement. Um, but good luck dialing that in even. I mean, if you were to say... If you had to talk about the bulk of the time the United States was in Vietnam, I think you'd get I think you get away with 1965 to 1972. That's probably, you know, that's a passing score. But the fact is we had a fair amount of troops prior to 65. I think we even had troops there. We had, I believe, suffered killed in action in 1960 and then as late as 1975. So getting your arms around this conflict is just it's a challenge. And it's just a, it's a it's a tough time. There's a lot of collateral damage. A lot of Americans killed. A lot of Vietnamese killed. A lot of civilians killed. But nonetheless, it's it's changing by the early to mid seventies. And the action we're going to talk about with Petty Officer Thornton is in October of 1972. That's important because the U.S. formal withdrawal from Vietnam is going to be in the first months of 1973. So that means that he's within six, what we talk about is going to be within six months of the U.S. withdrawal. Now, this isn't the end of the war. It's the end of, you know, kind of the end of U.S. involvement. And that that matters here. Because if you look at charts and graphs and casualty figures from Vietnam, you're going to see a spike around 66, 67, 68. And then you're going to see it dropping off. And it's easy to look at that drop and think that Vietnam is becoming pacified or the war is not as deadly. You can look at the number of military units. You can look at decorations and campaigns. And you're going to see the same thing. By 1970, especially 1972 and certainly in 73, very few major military operations. Not as many casualties. I mean, you're going to have, I think, fewer than 1,000 killed in action in 1972. So when you start getting into those numbers, is it because Vietnam is safer or it, or is there something else? And 
what I think we're seeing, and, and, and we ended up, I believe we saw this in Iraq and Afghanistan as well, is it's not that Vietnam is safer. It's that if you're not going out on operations to engage the enemy, you're not really participating in that war so much anymore. So in 67, 68, 69, there were mass amounts of American troops conducting nonstop operations all across the country. So there were a lot of opportunities for the forces to get in engagements and shoot and kill and, and, and uh, suffer casualties on all sides. But if one of those sides starts to pull back and says, we're not going to do as many operations, does it mean that the country is safer or does it just mean you're not on the battlefield as much? And I think it's the latter. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we saw that in Iraq and Afghanistan. There was a place in Afghanistan where I was that was incredibly deadly for a long period of time. And then we pulled the Americans out of that area and it was pacified. And I just don't know that it was really pacified as much as there weren't two people there. There weren't opposing forces there anymore, if that makes sense. There was only the one group, so there weren't going to be as many firefights. Nonetheless, in 1972, in October on October 31st, 1972, Petty Officer Michael Thornton is tasked with moving north along the coast to conduct a reconnaissance. Now, if you look at Vietnam, the entire eastern coast of the country is the South China Sea. So um, if you wanted to move from south to north, you can go overland. It's a very thin country. And in turn, you're gonna. Uh, there's only so many ways you can go um, either one of those directions. But if you decide to go by sea, you can, of course, come in at any point. Um Along the along the shore, but it is a time of war, so it's not as easy as just swimming up a little bit and, or motoring up a little bit and, and coming back in. So <laughs> it's gonna gonna play into how this whole thing kind of unfolds. But Petty Officer Michael Thornton is going to be ta- or is tasked with conducting a reconnaissance and hopefully a prisoner grab, um, grabbing an enemy combatant to pull him back and do some questioning with three Vietnamese special forces as well as. Um, another Navy SEAL by the name of Lieutenant Thomas Norris. Now, that group is going to go up to an area near, in and around Cura Viet Base. This is an area right along the DMZ between North and South Vietnam, and it's changed hands a few times, I think is the right way to say it. So it's, it's right along the DMZ, and the U.S. had forces there for a while, but as we're starting to withdraw forces, by this time, we're at like 20,000 in the country compared to upwards of 600,000 a few years prior. So there's certain areas we're just not going to have a presence. This is one of them, and they're starting to see enemy forces kind of start to move into the area. So the idea is Thornton and his team, five total, go in, do a recon, maybe grab a prisoner, get some information about the area, and come on out. A really small team, if you think about it, to go to go up and conduct this recon. And the way they're going to do it is they're going to be out at sea. Remember, it's time four, so you can't really have a U.S. ship just – um, pull on in and, and dock in the harbor. So they're going to be uh, transported in something called a junk boat. It's just a type of ship that's used for cargo and transport all up and down the South China Sea. It's normal. They're all over the place. From that, they're going to be launched in a rubber rubber boat, come ashore. They do so under the cover of darkness, get on land, start moving around, start conducting recon. Things are going great. They get some information. And then it registers that they landed too far north. The problem with landing too far north is that you find that you quickly end up behind enemy lines. So you're no longer in an area that has been contested and has been um, somewhat starting to be taken over by the North Vietnamese forces. And you get into an area that's been held by the North Vietnamese forces since 
before the U.S. was even in the war. That means there are enemy encampments. There's a sizable enemy force there. And quickly, well, not quickly, they, they're recognized. And as they're trying to chase down the soldier that saw them, saw them so they don't alert the rest of the enemy forces, they alert the rest of the enemy forces. And like that, there's about 50 North Vietnamese soldiers bearing down on Thornton and his team. So they start to set up their defense. They are falling back. And one of the benefits that they have in this situation, well, it's double-edged sword. They have their back to the sea to a degree. So on the positive side, the enemy can't come from that direction. On the negative side, it's a little bit like having your back against the wall and it, it kind of reduces your mobility. Thornton and his team are bouncing all over the place and they're doing that to confuse the enemy because if, if the Vietnamese, North Vietnamese recognize they're up against five, they're just quickly going to storm this group and kill them all. But if Thornton and team can make it seem like it's 10, 20, 50, well, then it's a different story. So they're running all over the place, doing everything they can to make it appear like a larger force. And for four hours, they keep this unit at bay. They, it ends up being a group of upwards of 150 North Vietnamese that are taking part in this attack. Now, while this is all going on, they're trying to radio back to get naval gunship support. There's some destroyers in the area, and they want to get some um, artillery fire, naval gunfire, to start knocking back the enemy forces. And it just turns into... It's not working well. So remember, to get up there, they're going to have to move now into North Vietnamese water, which was mined, patrolled. Um, it's not as easy as just coming off the coast and starting to blast away. They're in enemy territory now. So they're having a hard time getting naval gunfire support. They decide they need to get out of there and start to evacuate. And they're going to do so by moving back into the sea and, and start to swim out in hopes of a, a rescue from either the U.S. destroyer that's out there or one of these other junk boats that's, um, we'll say, aligned with the South Vietnamese and with the Americans that would pick them up and, and ferry them to safety. In order to do that, in order to do that, Lieutenant Thomas Norris stands up and starts to fire a rocket at the enemy forces to kind of push them back um, to give them a little room to, to escape. When he does so, he's shot in the head. He's shot in the head. Thornton doesn't see this. Remember, they're dispersed. If they were in one small area, the enemy would know that it was a small group, so they're dispersed. The word gets back to Thornton from one of the Vietnamese soldiers, and they say, hey, um, Norris was shot in the head. He's dead. Thornton's already been wounded, grenade shrapnel in his back, four hours of fighting, but he doesn't want to leave his fallen brother behind. So at, at, he's... He wasn't told he might be alive. He was told he's dead. He's shot in the head. Nonetheless, Thornton gets up, runs through about 500 yards of open terrain under heavy enemy fire, gets to Norris, just as enemy soldiers are starting to, over, to, to overrun that position. He kills them, picks up Norris, and finds out that he's severely, severely wounded, but alive. So he grabs Norris, throws him over his shoulders, starts running back towards the beach. Now it's time to go. As he's doing so, the opening salvo from the U.S. destroyer starts to take place. And those shells are so big and so close that when the first one lands, it knocks it knocks Thornton, carrying Norris, almost 20 feet in the air. Just blows him off his feet. 
other than probably having the wind knocked out of him and, and having to fall from that distance, he doesn't suffer any more additional casualties in, in terms of shrapnel. Gets his bearings back, picks up Norris, who is on the on the verge of death. I mean, from the minute he got, he got shot in the head. Now he gets blown in the air. Nonetheless, Thornton picks him up, starts moving back, and gets into the surf. And what he does is he throws a life vest on Norris, starts pushing him out into the water. And then one of the Vietnamese soldiers that's with them gets shot, can't swim. Nor he gives him a life vest, starts pushing and pulling those two out into the water, and they start swimming. Thornton pushes, pulls, drags, whatever term you want to use, those two wounded soldiers, one Navy SEAL, one Vietnamese Special Forces soldier, out into the water for two hours before they're rescued. He's wounded himself. And the the option they take is to just go and start swimming in the hopes that they get picked up. They do after hours at sea. Now, once they're picked up, once they're picked up, Thornton grabs the wounded Norris, who's still alive, I mean, miraculously still alive, and 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 goes with him to the on-deck um, medical center, surgeon's office, whatever it might be. And immediately the physician says, there's no way he's going to live. He does. He survives. He survives. Thornton survives. All three Vietnamese special forces soldiers survive. So because of that, because of Thornton's actions because of his bravery of getting those guys out of there and decided at some point, like, hey, we're just going to swim. And if I got to drag you guys, I'm going to drag you guys. Got them out of there and every single one of them survived. And in a, just what's a, an interesting twist here, a cool twist or kind of a side note, Lieutenant Thomas Norris at the time of this action had been recommended for the Medal of Honor for um, another action in Vietnam a few months prior. So he hadn't been awarded yet, but he would be. So what you actually have in this story is a Medal of Honor citation for somebody saving the life of somebody else who would eventually be awarded the Medal of Honor. Both have survived the war. Both are alive and well today. And uh, it's just, just an incredible story. Petty Officer Michael Thornton saving lives in Vietnam beyond all odds. I mean, he, to find himself behind enemy lines, outnumbered 150 to 5, and then somehow fighting their way out and then swimming, pushing and pulling his buddies through the ocean for hours on end, until they get pulled up and saved. Incredible bravery, incredible incredible fortitude is quite an action from Petty Officer Michael Thornton. Actions for which in 1976, he'd be awarded the Medal of Honor. Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories. If you get a chance, it'd mean an awful lot if you could head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It helps others to, to find the show. But thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.